This is Aruna Krishnan. On this episode of Leave That Thing, I talk to Asta Berry, health consultant at Navigant. Welcome to the show. Today on the show, I have Asta Berry. Uh, Asta graduated from John Hopkins University in 2018 with her master's in molecular biology and immunology. She currently works in New York City as a healthcare consultant at Navigant. She volunteers for organizations such as New York Junior League and Miss America. And she also organizes events for St. Jude and the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. For fun, she reads a book a day for her seven book clubs. Welcome, Asta. Thanks for having me. That's a lot of stuff that you do. So the first question that I have for you is what motivates you and how do you stay motivated? So I think it's helpful to have short-term and long-term goals. So long-term, I think this is very corny, but I think of the Hamilton musical and how he talks about leaving behind a legacy. And you know, that doesn't have to be building a nation. It can be impacting people that you care about through an organization. It can be helping contribute to some sort of research. It can be whatever you want it to be. And I just think about, okay, what do I want to be something that my grandkids think about or hear about Mm -hmm. when they hear about stuff that I did with my life? And so that's a very high level way of thinking about things. And then short term, I think it's good to have goals about what do I want to accomplish in high school? What do I want to accomplish in my undergrad? Do I want to go to grad school? Do I want to pursue this career path? Am I flexible to changing it? And Mm -hmm. I think it's good to be adaptable with Mm -hmm. whatever goals you set. Don't put anything in stone because you never know what life's going to throw at you. That's a very good point. So basically putting together some goals and then kind of uh, shaping them as your life keeps moving forward based on whatever new information or new circumstances come your way. Exactly. Yeah, perfect. So let's go back a few years. So you graduated with your master's in 2018. And I want to take you back to high school. Incidentally, you graduated from Franklin High School. So go Sabres. Uh, <laughs> so when you were in high school, what were your biggest fears? And how did you address them or overcome them? I put so much pressure on myself for the tiniest of things. And I would be afraid that if I got a bad grade on one quiz, it was going to affect my GPA, it was gonna derail me from this path. I had a terrible mindset in that sense. And if I could go back, I would tell myself to just calm down and remember that you're not gonna remember your GPA or your test scores or even your standardized test scores, you know, five, six, 10 years from now. And that's, it feels like the whole world when you are in high school because everyone's talking about it. Everyone's putting so much pressure on college applications. But at the end of the day, those are not the numbers that define you. That's very true. And such a good point, you know, because all those of those college apps and things like that, I think kids feel like, oh my goodness, you know, like, did you have that same fear? And like, how did you how did you kind of work around that or really like get to the 
get to the point where you really understood that you have to have the right mindset and just keep things in perspective? So I don't think I handled it very well because I was so stressed out a lot of the Mm -hmm. time. I had really good mentors, um, teachers and coaches that I felt like I could talk to about how stressed I was, Mm -hmm. about the schools I wanted to apply to. And having a confidant was Mm -hmm. very helpful. I knew I had someone in my corner that heard me, understood me, supported me. And I think the other fear was living up to everyone else's expectations. I was constantly being told that I was this golden child or that everyone had all these expectations of me um, that I wasn't sure I could live up to. And actually, when I was uh, hearing back from colleges, there was one school in particular that I really had my heart set on. Mm-hmm. And um, the, so I was the valedictorian, the salutatorian, got in and people came up to me and started congratulating me for getting in because they just assumed I did and I didn't. And I rem- I'll never forget that day. I had to go into the bathroom and cry because I had to keep telling people I didn't get in. College admissions are such a, it's such an unpredictable thing. There's so many factors that go into it. You shouldn't assume you're not going to get in somewhere. We also can't assume that you will. Mm-hmm. And I think those were pitfalls that I had to learn the hard way. And mm-hmm. now with my brother, I'm trying to make sure that he level sets a little bit more than I did. Yeah, that's, that's, really, that's really important. I think that's very mature advice. And I think being in that high school journey, it's very hard for those individuals to really think outside of themselves to say that, you know, this is really not such a big deal. Like there are other colleges. It's not the biggest deal if I don't get my first choice, because at the end of the day, you have a lot of colleges giving you great education and it's, it's going to be okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So That leads into the next question, which is really, what would you say is the most valuable lesson that came out of your high school experience? So I had this mindset of, I will be happy when X. And I think it's a mindset lots of adults continue to hold on to, where it was, I will be happy when I become the valedictorian. I will be happy when I get into X college. I will be happy when I graduate from said college, get this job, get married, whatever. And there's two problems with that. One is if you don't reach that particular milestone or your plans get shifted, that doesn't mean that you can't be happy now. There's just a Mm -hmm. different path to it. It just looks different. Mm -hmm. The second is once you reach it and say you do all the things and you get to that goal that you had thought I'll be happy when, it can be a pretty empty feeling to do all of that, get to that point and realize, okay, but now what? (laughs) Right. so I remember graduation of high school, I, it was a melancholy moment. I thought to myself, oh, yes, after I give the speech, now I know I'm headed off to the school I want to go to in the fall. I just felt empty because I had thought, I'll be happy when this thing happens. And once it happened, I, I was still the same person I was, mm-hmm. you know. It wasn't like this joyous moment where <laughs> everything magically cleared up. It was just another day. Yeah. So I think it's good not to put too high expectations on any one event and look at happiness, growth, 
as a continuous journey. Yeah, that's beautiful, Asta. That's really beautiful. <laughs> so, so you talked about how you had that speech, you went to college, uh, and it was sort of that lost moment. So part of that, so tell me about part of that transition to college. How did you start over? And um, how did you decide to keep going? Um, what did that transition look like for you? That transition was really hard. And I am so happy you're talking about this because nobody told me how difficult it was going to be. And I wish someone had. I went to college having been used to excelling in my high school environment. And you're suddenly in a group of like-minded peers. And it's a beautiful thing because you have other very intelligent students to talk to, to bounce ideas off of, to intellectually stimulate you, even when you're just hanging out on a Friday night. Mm -hmm. But that also means everyone is used to being very, very smart at whatever um, background they came from. Mm -hmm. And so suddenly you go from being the top to being average because you're surrounded by such smart right. people. Right. And that's something that my parents told me would happen. Yeah. But I didn't internalize it until it was happening to me. And I realized, okay, I don't feel so smart anymore. And I think a lot of students go through an imposter syndrome mm -hmm. where they question, you know, do I really deserve to be here? Mm -hmm. Are all these other kids smarter than me? Mm -hmm. what if I mess up and these are very legitimate like right. they're legitimate feelings yeah. so I don't want to discount that but mm -hmm. I think it's important to have somebody tell you mm -hmm. you do belong you are smart it's okay and think of all the time you spent worrying about your GPA in high school and once I stopped worrying about that in college I felt so much better I'm not saying your GPA doesn't matter but mm -hmm. every test every quiz every homework assignment you're not going to remember what you got on it you're going to mm -hmm. remember if you were happy the connections you made the actual things you learned mm-hmm mm -hmm. so. Yeah, that, that's really good. And even with the imposter syndrome, that does continue on for a lot of people, including myself. And I've admitted this on many shows that I think for me, it carried on into my 30s. So that's very yeah. true. It's a true, it's a true feeling and it, it's very debilitating. And like you said, it's very important to surround yourself with people that will tell you what will, will help you get over that by number one, telling you how good you are, and then also helping you see how good you are, right? So you exactly. can realize it from the inside. Yeah. Perfect. And I was a STEM major in undergrad, and I realized I felt so much better when I hung out with humanities majors <laughs> or econ, just people that were not doing the exact same mm. things as me. Yeah. Because everyone, especially at Hopkins, talks about the MCAT, their medical research, who they're shadowing. And it's also debilitating to be in this environment where everybody wants the same things as you. Mm -hmm. So I would suggest making friends with people outside your major so you have things to talk about that aren't going to directly relate to mm. things you might be competing for. Yeah, no, no, that makes sense. And it's really when it comes down to hanging out with friends that are Definitely diverse in the sense of diversity of thought, diversity of education, 
diversity of background because that I think enriches your life and it I think it yeah. helps you get more grounded in that sense. Yeah, perfect. definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so now you successfully graduated from John Hopkins. So now the next challenge was transition into work life. So I want to ask you, what was your biggest misconception going in and becoming a working professional? So I didn't realize how different work is than college life. In college, you are taking a handful of classes. You go in for your lecture, you do your homework, you do your labs, whatever. And the majority of the time you have free to do extracurriculars, study, do your homework, etc. You can sleep through your 9 a.m. class when you're in college. <laughs> you cannot sleep through your 9 a.m. meeting. Um, not Without that consequence, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And not that that was ever a thing that I did, but it was just interesting getting used to this. You are sitting at a desk from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day, and you know, you're not moving around, talking to your friends, grabbing a snack, whatever. It was just an adjustment in that sense. And the other adjustment is learning that when you start off at any job, you are at the bottom of the totem pole. <sighs> you are the person that is, and depending on which field you're in, you're the person that is doing all of the analytics, the Excel work, taking notes. You're doing the grunt work. Mm. And there's a reason. You're working your way up. You don't know the things that you need to know to be higher up yet. Mm. And you're putting in your time. And it's a good thing to realize everyone else is in the same boat as you and working very hard and struggling. So mm -hmm. as once you grapple with that, I think it makes it a little bit easier. And knowing that you will get better. When I first started off my first month in consulting, I was working more hours than my friends that were doing residencies because I didn't know uh, Excel as well yet. I didn't know where to go to find different sources for research. So mm -hmm. I was working evenings and weekends nonstop. And I realized I'd also needed to learn to advocate for myself oh, and yeah. say, hey, this is getting to be unreasonable. <laughs> I need to have some time to rest. Yeah. Um, but again, it's hard because nobody really tells you how do you stand up to your boss? How yeah. do you let them know that you're being overworked? Right. How do you right. say these things professionally? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's kind of learning as, as you go along. Yeah, I think, and I, I would think that as you get in, you feel like I got to do everything. I got to prove everything. But then at some point it's like, okay, yeah, there's only so much I can take on and being comfortable, <laughs> you know, saying that. And uh, that, exactly. that's good that you you figure that out. Yeah, that's a very good point. Okay, so to wrap this up now, and this was such great information, and I'm so happy that other people are going to hear this, like learn from your journey. And I want to ask you, what would be the one piece of advice for students on the path to college and beyond? I think my advice would be not to look at happiness as any sort of milestones. The idea that you should be flexible with what you want to accomplish. Most of my friends and I went in being pre-med 
And it was this idea that we had conjured up in a white coat, stethoscope, <laughs> this is going to be my life. And as I took more classes, I realized I did not want to be sitting behind a bench and doing wet lab research. So I didn't want to pursue a PhD. I did not particularly enjoy my time when I shadowed doctors at the hospital. Didn't want to pursue an MD, but I'd taken all these classes. I'd paid for an MCAT prep course. I felt like I'd already put so much time and effort in, and that is a big misstep for a lot of students is the mm. sunk cost fallacy, mm. where they think to themselves, well, I've already put in all this effort, time, money, energy. I need to stay on this path. But the longer you stay on the path, the more you have invested in it, the harder it is to get out. At some point, you need to accept your losses mm-hmm. and not look at them as losses, just time that you have spent learning something. Right. And switch to a different path that is more lucrative, better suited to your interests and your needs, regardless of if that's truly what you wanted to do when you were seven. Very <laughs> few people actually do that. So right. just redefining your idea of success. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's, that's wonderful advice. And it's sort of go in with your plan A and know that there might be a plan B and yeah. maybe even a plan C and be open to that, right? I mean, and don't see it as a failure because I can totally see some kids and you tell me uh, <laughs> if this is right or wrong, that if if they don't go with plan A and plan A doesn't succeed, that they take it very personally into heart. Is that, have you seen that? Definitely. And to those people, I'm I just want to say what you're so good at all these other things. There is more than just five jobs out there. Half of the jobs I didn't even know existed. I didn't know consulting was a job. And here I am. (laughs) Yeah, perfect. This is a perfect example of success, motivation, and just the will to keep going. And Asa, I think you've brought so much great information to the listeners. And I'm so thankful that we were able to do this today. So if anybody wants to reach out to you, how can they reach out to you? I am most responsive on Instagram. I've had a lot of people reach out to me about questions about school and consulting and the healthcare field in general. So my Instagram handle is at a new kind of Barry. Okay. Uh, We'll put that on in the description so that people can reach out to you. And thank you so much, Asa. This was a ton of fun. I'm so happy. And definitely, I am inspired by you. And I, I know that the listeners are going to be inspired by you. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks for having me.